You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One listeners. Welcome to another episode. That's right, folks. We're going back to the wonderful town of Hawkins, Indiana, and we are going to be looking at Stranger Things Season 4. And let me put this out there right away, that if you haven't seen this, we are spending the whole episode on it tonight, folks. So we are going to be spoiling the hell out of this one. So we're going to be talking about theories. We're going to be talking about our favorite moments. We're going to be talking about some really bad Russian accents. We're going to be just having a lot of fun with this one. And we've got a great crew to talk about it. This man has never seen the Upside Down, at least, or at least he doesn't admit to it. We're, of course, talking about Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! How are you, my friend? All right, all right. I, I actually think I uh, live in the upside down. Really, um, I, I don't uh, know what the right side up is. Those explains those vines in your office and everything all the time behind you. Or is it, it just uh, nature? You becoming one with nature, or something like that? <laughs> right. Sure. Well, we'll we'll say that. Sure. Okay. Good. So we're going to have a fun one tonight, and you know what? We thought there's no way we can limit talking about the stuff for the show because this was a pretty intense season so intense they broke it into two parts and they actually had the final episode was almost two and a half hours so it was a long one so you know that's feature length movie time folks and it was well worth it there was times i was sitting on my edge like i know it's another episode done but i can't go to sleep yes i know it's three in the morning but i can't go to sleep so it was a ton of fun and we've got a great crew to join us tonight let's welcome back to the show of course amy chandler hi what's up brochachos hey hey i like that (laughs) she's been practicing that one all week of course i have yeah that is cool and it's great to have you back. And we also have joining us once again, Rebecca Perry. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. I don't have as cool a nickname as Brochachos, but I'll have to. <laughs> Upside Downers. Upside Downers. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. That almost works. That almost works. Well, it's great to have you guys here. And, you know, when I first thought about Stranger Things, you two came up and not because you're strange, but because <laughs> you guys are, are were both really huge fans of it. And I know Rebecca, you joined us for past reviews and such of the series. So Yes, I've been a fan since day one. And um it's one of those uh, I think kind of rare shows where I think each season has just gotten continually better. Very and, very um, much so. Yeah, and I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see how it ends. <laughs> the whole city just goes into a pit. Oh wait, they did that with Buffy. Never mind. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, it's 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 just it's gonna become another homo. Mm-hmm, exactly, Amy. What about you? What's your history with the show? 
I've been a fan since day one, fell in love with it, with the character storytelling, all the throwbacks to classic horror, um, to the 80s. Um, with seasons two and three, I was able to binge both of those in a day. And Whoa, did you sleep? I, yeah, I was dedicated. Who needs sleep? <laughs> sleep liberated. I made some egos. I settled in. It was great. Mm. Obviously, I couldn't do that this time, but I, I thought it was great. I, I loved the expanded world. I loved the, what they did with the characters. I know we're going to get into all that, but yeah, I've just really, really loved the show. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please feel free to write us feedback at earthstation1.com. What are your thoughts on Stranger Things? Was it what you expected? Did it surpass your expectations? Because I know for myself, I had some wow moments on this one. And it was just amazing to see. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, as we always like to say, please tell your friends and neighbors about us. You know, we are not too proud to beg for listeners, as we always do. And, you know, if you ever have a chance, please subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasts are found. And if you have a chance, please give us five stars. Of course, you know, we also have to thank our sponsor for this week. Our fine sponsor, of course, is Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical is running a series of sales right now. So for summertime, you can get some really cool deals on sports classes, on safety goggles, on, you know, sunglasses, of course, is what they're known for. And you can, you know, custom make your colors, your your lenses. You, if you even have a prescription like I do, you can actually get prescription glasses from Tofosi Optical. And it's pretty cool. And you could look pretty hip and wild out in the upside down. It's pretty cool as you're doing it, you know, because, you know, it's so sunny and peaceful in the oh wait that's not right <laughs> so it's pretty cool though so definitely check out Tofosi optical and if you put in the coupon code earth station one please do put it in and you get 10 percent off your whole order and i'm assuming you could actually take it off a sale price even so 10 percent off a sale price is pretty decent so please check it out tofosioptics.com If you can even hear this. Ever since you left, everything's been a total disaster. For a while, we tried to be happy. Normal. I know that's impossible. you guys far from Hawkins because I thought you'd be safe a war is coming I'm a 
afraid your friends at Hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm. I don't have my powers. I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. Without you, we can't win this war. on the other side on the other side I was convinced I was put here for some other reason maybe I can still help even if it's the last thing I do people say Hawkins is cursed they're not way off. All right, Mr. Mike, are you ready to take it over? It's it's Atlanta, right? We know, it's a, that, right? Oh, we know it's Atlanta. You know. <laughs> well, actually, it's one of the su- southern suburbs. But it's it's funny, though, because there's a lot of recognized as Marietta, and there was a few oh, sure. locations, you know, of course, south of the airport I saw. And it's like, so Hawkins is everywhere. So it's cool. <laughs> That's it's, true. It's That's in true. your heart. So and uh, and this season, we actually go outside of Hawkins, like a long way outside of Hawkins. So this is the first one. It really opens up the the universe uh, and tells a lot of other stories in other places. But um, but before we talk about like really getting into the weeds of the fourth season, uh, I have to ask you guys how you felt about season three. Um, you know, for me, uh, season three, what? Uh, it was in July of 2019 and it feels like, it felt like to me, like a, a lifetime ago. Like it really felt like a long time ago uh, since this show had been on. Uh, so when season four was announced or when it was going to happen, I was just kind of like, wow, I'd almost forgotten, you know, I've almost forgotten about this show to be honest with you. Um, and so I had to really kind of, figure out like where I had to watch the last episode again on season three and just sort of refresh my memory of everything. Um, of course, season three ends with this big finale at uh, uh, Gwinnett place. Oh, I'm sorry. Starcourt mall, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which was awesome. I think one of the best set pieces they've ever had on the show. So obviously I, I did remember that and all that, but the, the, the characters were in a lot different places uh, the way it ended. So um uh, what did you guys think about, you know, going into season four and were you ready for more or was, uh, uh, and what were your expectations? Uh, Amy, we'll start with you. What, what were you expecting from season four based on, uh, the previous season and did you enjoy the previous season? I, 
I did like the the previous season. Um, there was a couple of things that maybe felt a little uneven to me that I think were corrected in season four. I think that um, like Hopper's character, they did a lot more just comedic stuff with him in season three. So in season four, he got to be more of the heroic Hopper, I guess, that we saw from like season one, which I thought was great. Um, I, I'm like you, it'd been three years and I thought I remembered stuff <laughs> and then we start, and I realized I'd really had forgotten a lot, but, um, obviously I wanted to know what was going on with Elle's powers. Um, she had lost them at the end of the season. Was she going to get them back? And if so, how, um, you know, with them being spread out with Joyce and Jonathan and Will and Elle moving to California, what was that going to do? The party got split up. Um, so now they're very far away from each other. What was that going to do to the group? Um, obviously, Max watched Billy, um, who ha- she had a very complicated relationship with, um, sacrifice himself at the end of season three. And what was that going to be like for her? Um, and then the Russians, what, I mean, the mall got on fire. They They burned it down, but they had a secret lair under the mall so what's going on with the russians you know i feel like there is a lot more to explore there as all shopping malls do you know oh, right of right course. yeah <laughs> who knew so, that had been an, underneath the uh, going place mall this time <laughs> it explains so much why that's still there that's true <laughs> right that's <laughs> true can we just bring scoops ahoy back <laughs> <laughs> Just want the ice cream shot back. So going into it, those were my main questions, I guess, is how are we going to bring our gang back together? Um, you know, we they had implied that Hopper had sacrificed himself, but then we also got this tag that he might have survived. So putting him in Russia, I thought was going to be kind of an interesting way to start with that character, especially knowing that the Russians had been involved. So that's kind of what I was hoping um, for the beginning of season four. Okay. Okay. Uh, Rebecca, what about you? Um, yeah, well, like you said, Mike, I feel like 2019 was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I really had to, I, I went back, I usually go back and rewatch each the previous seasons before the new season starts. So I definitely had to do that with this uh, season four, because like you said, I just so long ago. Um, but um, yeah, I was, I was really hoping going into this new season that we, we're going to find out more about, um, you know, the upside down, maybe more about exactly how it was created, which we did get a little bit of that. Um, and just, you know, more information on this whole organization, with the MK Ultra, and um, how that all came about. Um, like Amy said, I, you know, they pretty much you know, said that Hopper was still going to be alive. So I was interested to see how they were going to bring him back and in what capacity. Because that was still, you know, obviously very unclear. Like, you know, was he really going to be alive or was it just a fake out? Um, How, and also how um, the kids were going to still, you know, how were they going to be able to stay connected? You know, when you have friends at that age, it's, you know, you're so, they are so tight and so close, but you know, as, as kids grow up and they, things start to change and they started to drift apart. And we do see that a little bit more in season four. I mean, as close as they still are, there is still a bit of that disconnect that you're starting to see. Um, 
And um, yeah, and I mean, we can get all, you know, into like, you know, Will, the character of Will is obviously, you know, changing. We're seeing a lot more from him. Um, so yeah, I, um, I, I'm, again, I'm, I was very happy with um, how, I, how I saw season four going. Um, and as Amy said, I, I also would love to have seen the return of Scoops Ahoy. Um, I think Gwinnett Play Small blew, blew it and Netflix blew it. They should have like done a pop-up at that mall and you know, a little <laughs> Starport pop-up and had a real Scoops Ahoy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, that, uh, that mall is a pretty much a dead mall. So uh, I would have thought it would have, you know, they could have easily converted to that into something that uh, could make a lot of folks some money. Uh, but uh, they decided not to. So, yeah, there it still stands, dead as ever, I think. But, um, uh, Mike, what about you? What uh, Did you have any feelings about uh, this season? Well, it's interesting, like, Rebecca. Expectations, I, maybe? Well, a lot of expectations. Because, like you were saying earlier, both, all three of you, actually, um, you had a lot riding from the end of last season. At the end of last season... You actually had a death of one of the main characters. And I'm using air quotes on that. When, you know, basically, you know, you lost Jim, you know, the sheriff. And you had some very interesting things happen with Hopper. You know, you think, you you assume he sacrificed himself for the better and to save the town and to save the world. And it was interesting because I don't consider Billy... A main character. Billy was more, you know, brought on and it, it was interesting to see. And he made the noble sacrifice also to help, you know, save everybody. But it was interesting because you thought, okay, where are they going to go from here? The groups were splitting up. The people were going to California. One group was going to California. The other were staying there. And you also got the end of last season. You got the never-ending story. So it was awesome. And, you know, whenever I hear it now, when it comes up on my iPod or, you know, <laughs> something, it's just like I think of Stranger Things now, which is – I don't even think of the movie anymore. I think more of Stranger Things with them singing it. And it was it was awesome. But, you know, then you got the little caveat in the credits – about oh no 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 don't not the american you know and everything and so you had to assume is that american hopper or is it someone else and you had some pretty cool stuff with that and when you did you know guessing it and everything and you didn't really know until you saw the trailer about almost a year ago or you know and so and it's interesting because the kids are getting older and you were wondering how are they going how are they going to do this and you know it's you know now they're all all going through puberty and growing up and some ways growing apart but still staying close together and it was very interesting to do because that's what happens especially as you get go from middle school to high school people you were very close with you then go and you start you know, just seeing them in the halls, you don't hang out with them as much. And some of them go into sports, like what happened with Lucas. And, you know, you had items like that. 
and then the others go into the you know Hellfire Club, or you know the others are in California. So everyone was getting splintered. So it was a really neat premise on how they were all going to try to get together and come back together, and it was done really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, I thought the I thought season three uh, kind of put things a little bit back on track. Um, I don't know. I don't remember much of season two, to be honest with you. I didn't go back and revisit it, so it might be just my memory. But I remember season one, but I didn't really remember season two that well. But um, season three with the the mall and the Russians and everything, um, I, I that left much more of an impression on me. Um, so I did feel like it was an improvement over season two. Uh, season four was a question mark as far as what that was going to be like and you know have they have they played out the upside down too much or um you know uh, with 11 have they played her out too much or what's gonna what's gonna happen um i did uh i did think it was interesting you know obviously with season three we've mentioned never any story and how that track became pretty popular due to stranger things and even though uh, the previous seasons, I think their soundtracks did pretty well. Um, I think it really made a huge impact as far as uh, rekindling interest in that track and that song. I had no idea they were going to double down this season on that kind of thing, um, uh, which to, to you know, uh, to great success, especially for Kate Bush and, uh, and even Metallica, right? Um, but uh, the fact that it's, it's happening in such a small period of time with the, with the kids and the actors and everything. I, I had, I don't know. I had it in my head and I don't know if this was an early article or something like that. It was not true. So kids, I know this is a shocker, but please don't believe everything you read on the internet. Um, because for some reason I had it stuck in my head that the, the producers Russo brothers were, were, were filming seasons four and five, like back to back. Um, and they were just going to, and that was going to be it. It was going to be five seasons, but the kids were getting older. So they had to film everything at once. And then, and then I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, uh, if that was, if there was truth to any of that, um, uh, looking at my research and preparing for this episode, I didn't see anything that suggested that was ever on the table. So maybe that was just something in my, maybe I got it confused with something else, but, but certainly, as the actors are getting older, uh, especially over this gap of like a few years, thanks to the pandemic and the delays with that uh, filming the the, the season, um, I, I kind of had to think that they're going to have to like move it up or, or go forward in time a little bit. And they do. Um, so I, I didn't know what that was going to be like. Um, and so I had, I had some questions. I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't like super excited. I wasn't when it dropped, uh, the first few episodes, uh, the first seven episodes were dropped on May 27th. I did not watch them. I, I did not watch them. I did not watch them, uh, at all. Uh, I kept hearing rumors of this, that, and the other thing. I kept seeing uh, people in uh, Hellfire shirt club shirts. <laughs> I kept, I knew that Kate Bush all of a sudden got really popular, and I was like, "Wow, what's going on here?" Um, so it was making a huge impact. Uh, so I did not, uh, but I didn't watch 
the entire season until the second uh, two episodes, the last two episodes, I should say, the second half, last two episodes, whatever you want to call it, dropped in July. And then I uh, and then I sat down and and watched uh, all of them, not all at once, because, man, that's uh, Amy, I'm like you, I think with one of the previous seasons, two or three or something, I did binge all of that in it in probably two days. How good Um, for you. Yeah, something like that. But then, but congratulations, season, Mikey. <laughs> but season four, you could not do that. I mean, season four, I think, is almost twice as long as any previous season, and not in the number of episodes, but in the length of each of the ep- each episode is well over an hour, and the finale is two and a half hours. It's a lot of TV, um, and I did see some complaints about about the length of each episodes and all of that. So we might get into that as well later on. But um, so uh, let me ask you guys: uh, Were you guys there uh, May twenty seventh, ready to binge, or uh, did you were you like me and kind of waited a little bit? Uh, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Did you go right go in right away? Oh, absolutely. And every single season, I say, I'm going to space out the episodes. I'm going to savor them. I'm going to watch like maybe one a day. No, that morning, I, you know, log into work. So I work from home, but I have my other laptop, had Netflix on, and I basically didn't do any work because I just sat there and watched Netflix and watched every single episode. And then I did it again when the, the last, so I think it was only two episodes, but each episode was like, two and a half hours long I think right with the second part yep and I pretty much did the same thing and again I didn't get anything done that day because I just sat there all day and just (laughs) finished him (laughs) Amy were you there uh May 27th was that what you were doing as well Oh, I wanted to, but I was out of town, so um, I could not. So I had to avoid the internet for like two days, which is hard because I knew that there would be spoilers and I really wanted to go into it as clean as possible. I managed to um, avoid as much as I could for about two days. I knew that Kate Bush was a big deal. So I did, I I still, I mean, that's all I knew. That's all I knew. Um, and then when I uh, got home, I think it still took two or three days, uh, cause we were watching it as a family we had to coordinate schedules and it was it's, in terms of runtime, runtime, it is huge. Um, so it did take a little bit longer this time. Now with volume two, I did the day it came out, I did watch it. And then I watched it again, <laughs> uh, later with friends, like just a few hours later. So, um, yeah, I was there for volume two, but not volume one, but Michael, I wanted to say, I heard that same rumor that they were going to shoot uh season four and season five back to back. So we must have read it at the same spot. Okay, and at least I don't. No, a lot of totally uh, it was in a lot of places that originally they were supposed to, but I think COVID got in the way with that. Yeah, that's also what I heard that that was the original plan, and then obviously, like Mike just said, COVID sort of threw it. But I also, you know, and we could let's hold off from talking about other things from what we've heard of rumors about season five and everything. Let's yeah, do that yeah. at the end. I, I was very, but, but because of that, when season four ended, I was very surprised that we were going to have to wait so long for season five, because I was like, wait, didn't they shoot it back to back? And they're like, no, they haven't even started yet. And I was like, Whoa. So, so yeah, that was, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to wait a while. So we've got some time. 
we've got the time to, to process this and watch it all over again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Mike, it's what about you? It's 30 by the time season five comes out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk well, about yeah, that later. Yeah, <laughs> season five, when they go, the kids apply for AARP or something like that. <laughs> Dude. Dude, I know I'm going to be in AARP by the time the season comes out, but I don't know about the oh, kids. Gosh, but... I just, I just, I just uh, signed up last month for it. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I want to talk about something related to that as well. But Mike, uh, I want to hear you on now. I can't remember. Did you like start right away in May? No, when it first dropped, I was away also for the weekend, and so I had to also keep away from the internet. But the first thing I started hearing all about it was Kate Bush. You know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, Kate Bush this, Kate Bush that. And it's like, oh, which is awesome because I love Kate. And I've always been a huge Kate Bush fan, even you know, from the 80s. And I think that was some of the cool stuff about it. And so I think we started it like a week later or something like that. And because at the time we were also still trying to get stream uh, Better Call Saul and trying to get caught up with that also. So, you know, the two shows that were you know going to be coming back later, we were trying to get completely caught up with before it was too late. And it was awesome to be able to see, you know, characters I loved and to when I came back, you know, like Rebecca, Judy and I were saying, oh, you know, we're not going to do it all at once. Or we're not going to, we're going to do maybe one episode a night and two o'clock in the morning would come around real quick. And we'd like, oh, come on, we got to get, come on. Don't you want to watch more episodes? I know we have to work tomorrow, but you know, <laughs> and so, but yeah, it was, I think we finished the whole season within a week, you know, at the most, you know, two to three days because it was just awesome. And we couldn't wait for the second part of the season to come back. It was, it was that good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I, I, even though I'm, you know, uh, unfortunately I had to, you know, wait or I, I, I I chose to wait, but I'm kind of glad I didn't have to wait between the two, like between episodes, like, uh, you know, the last two episodes, because that, you know, I, I was ready. (laughs) <laughs> I, after each one ended, I was ready for the next one. So I'm glad I didn't have to wait that long for them. But, and you know, I got to, I'm going to give the internet a little bit of credit here because everything wasn't spoiled for me. I mean, I, I know a ton of people who are watching this um, and there were some kind of things here and there that uh, were hinted at, but um, I kept thinking that somebody major was uh, one of the major cast members was 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 dead or something like that because uh, I just kept getting that impression. I mean, this is before the last two episodes dropped, so I was uh, I was kind of like on pins and needles watching every episode, thinking, "Is this the episode where somebody gets killed?" But you know, and that's probably a good place to be because you should be that. I mean, it does feel like people are. Uh, not nobody's safe on this show. It feels like, even though our main characters have made it through three seasons, now four, it does this. They do give you this sort of over um, this atmosphere of like, anybody could get it at any time. Yeah, pretty Uh, much. And that's the cool thing about it is, you know, they had, you know, over the first three seasons, you've had not major characters, but, characters who were part of the main group 
who had joined and everything, a lot of times, you know, I, I've been calling them the Hawkins red shirts, but it's, you know, it's not, you know, meant that way because, you know, you had what, what happened with Sean Astin's character. You had, you know, Billy the, the following season. And then you had, you know, what happened this season. It's always like, oh, there's a new character joining. You know, I fully expected Max to be a goner, you know, last, you know, last season because she also joined the series and everything. But, mm. you know, she played a pivotal role, though, this season. So, you know, it's pretty awesome to see. So I'm very curious, you know, to see, you know, when they killed, you know, off, supposedly killed off at the last, you know, part of the season, you know, the sheriff again, it was like, oh, they are going to take a chance. They, there is nobody safe. And, you know, there's been a couple of times I thought Winona Ryder's character or, you know, a couple others were, you know, goners. And, you know, I'm shocked Will has made it this long, you know, but I think he has something big to play in, in the final. So, yeah, Will was such a key figure in the first season. I keep feeling like they're well, uh, even in the second like, season when he got possessed. Right. I keep feeling like he's still a key to things. But um, anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk about Will and everybody else uh, going into in more detail Season four, we're going to get really into the weeds of it. So, again, as Mike said, if you haven't watched season four, any of it, uh, you know, we are going to be talking about some major spoilers, major things happening. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back and talk all things season four. Hello friends, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Sadly, summer blockbuster season is finally drawing to a close and it feels like we just started kicking things off with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and now it's over and fall is on its way. Overall, I felt like summer movie season was a lot of fun this year. I mean, we had basically a barrage of content both in theaters and at home on streaming. And overall, I enjoyed myself. I don't think I watched as many, oh my goodness, this was great movies that I was hoping to. But I felt like most of the movies I saw, I had a decent time. So I can't really complain about that. There is one more summer blockbuster still to come which is Bullet Train, which I have been looking forward to ever since I saw the trailer for this movie. It looks like Brad Pitt is just having a blast in this action comedy, and I think it'll be something fun. It's a little bit different, change of pace. I'm kind of of two minds when it comes to the franchise issue. I know people sometimes say they're tired of sequels, prequels, franchise movies taking over Hollywood. And I mean, I love a lot of these franchises like DC, Marvel, and Star Wars, but it's also nice to see some really unique things that aren't necessarily attached to anything. So I think like Bullet Train looks fun. Nope, I actually convinced myself to go see a horror movie in the theater and really enjoyed myself, even though I was scared in a few parts. And I want to see more movies like that. So I think it's great to go out and support some of these other movies that may not get as much press as an MCU movie. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to go check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Recently finished up watching Umbrella Academy Season 3 and posted my review of that and 
will hopefully be posting my review of Nope here very soon. This Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling. Let Michael, Mike, Darren, and Jen help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast, visit DragonConReport.com and for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up and we'll see you at the con. All right, let's continue with our Stranger Things talk. Okay, kids, we're going to get into big-time spoilers now, so be prepared. Be prepared as much as anybody can be for the crazy things that happen in Season 4. We start in March of 1986. I remember March of 1986. Oh, so do I. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure sure, uh, everyone here does as well. it's interesting. March uh, 86 was the year I graduated uh, high school and uh, went into college. Uh, that was a big year for me. Um, so with this show starting in high school in 1986, I really, it really, I really felt that. I could really relate to that right off the bat. Um, and I think that's one of, obviously, one of the main, uh, you know, fun things about Stranger Things, at least for us older folks is that it is a trip down memory lane for a lot of us. Uh, uh, Mike, would you say that as well? Oh God, dude, this was my freshman year of college. So I, you know, this brought back a lot of memories because I was there right in the middle of it. And, you know, you could even say I was the Steve character because I was working at a comic shop and, you know, and going to college at the same time. So it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know, doing and seeing all this kind of stuff and, you know, having the memories, the video stores, the, you know, and the walkie talkies and all, you know, you didn't have cell phones. You didn't have anything like that. And D&D was huge. And this was the beginning of the like the Tipagore era where, you know, you had the parental warnings on the albums and because you didn't even have cds yet folks at this point cds were i think two or three years away at this point so you know it was albums and cassettes so you had the warning labels on started getting on everything because you know all the parental groups and everything were all worried about bad words or bad meanings and everything and the show hit on that which was awesome and it was it was really neat to see yeah, it definitely brought us to that time. And and even though, yeah, it takes us back to a time of of that we can remember, but it also takes us uh, stylistically and it uses a lot of elements from movies that were and TV shows that were popular at the time, too. There's very much that influence that has been part of the show since day one, since season one, episode one. So I thought I felt that very much in, in right away in this season as well. Uh, Rebecca, you as well. Oh, absolutely. I was a freshman in high school in 1986. So I was about ah. the same age as those kids were. Oh, so yeah. I remember all of that very well. I was a total nerd. Um, I mean, I was such a nerd. I wasn't even cool enough to play D and D. 
um, but I did hang out with a lot of kids that looked like, you know, Will and Mike and Lucas and Dustin. And I hung out with, you know, guys that look like Eddie and, you know, right down to the patches on the, you know, the jean jackets. And um, I remember, you know, all of the satanic panic about heavy metal music and D&D. And even um, I believe that my high school handed out a pamphlet about, you know, be careful uh, with, you know, this stuff. It, It can lead down a down a dark path. Uh, so, wow. you know, be careful of the, the music and the, the games that you play because you don't know what it could lead to is, you know, <laughs> it well, was you... like my high school's version of dare, I think, but instead of drugs, it was, you know, music. And... <laughs> well, you even grew up in middle America because weren't you good? Yeah, I, was, I grew up in the middle of Michigan. So again, a lot of it was like, again, the fashion, the music, the look, it, it, I think the show has done a very good job about. Uh, of um you know representing the 80s but not making it stereotypical like some shows mm-hmm. and movies that are made now that sort of have this sort of glowing look of the 80s and you get all of the stereotypes thrown in sort of the whole decade in one year um whereas this is much more representative of you know sort of middle to lower class middle america um, although I will say, you know, though it's set in Indiana, there would have been a lot more snow. It would have been a lot. You would not have seen, right. have seen green trees at Halloween. I can tell you that much. But otherwise, <laughs> they do a really good job of um, portraying the 80s in a very realistic style. Yeah, really. I mean, this opens up in March of 86 and it's like, yeah, there there would be snow everywhere um, for sure. Still uh, at the very least, and, bare trees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amy, what about you? What do you um, feel the nostalgia wave as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, in March of 86, I would have been in eighth grade. And okay. um, oh, uh, yeah. let me just get my walker now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're going, we're going down the ladder here. Oh, and I, I remember like, Guys like Ed, Eddie, though, um, I never would have been allowed to hang out on something like somebody like that with the long hair and the, the Dungeons and Dragons. I re- I was um, I was living in a small town in Arkansas at the time, and I remember the Satanic Panic was giant, and there was this deep paranoia looking at it and movies and music and video games, MTV, I, obviously Dungeons and Dragons. There was just it was everywhere. So um, Eddie would have been somebody scary to me. Um, And so it's interesting um, seeing that character. Um, But Rebecca, it's funny, you talked about how you got a pamphlet about this stuff. I was in choir in the eighth grade. And even though I was at a public school, my choir teacher brought in her pastor one day to class to talk to us all about the dangers of heavy metal and he played music backwards do you remember how people used to talk about if you you could say panic messages and he did it in in this class to try to scare us to make sure that we were on the right path I mean it was oh my goodness it was something else It it was a different time thank goodness right yeah, I have to say, I was a little disappointed. I would try to play records backwards, and I never heard any weird messages. 
<laughs> no, but I, I, I loved it. I love that. This is one of those shows that I love that it's on Netflix because I love to, anytime they do like a big, um, a wide shot of like Mike's basement, being able to pause and look at all the games on the shelves, look at the toys, look at the Star Wars toys they play or the posters on the wall. They did such an amazing, incredibly detailed job. Um, and they get it right. You can tell that they weren't just making stuff, that they have been hitting up garage sales to, to find these things. I, I think Mike has um, a version of Upwards. I think I have in my basement right now that we never got rid of. Um, <laughs> it's great. They do an amazing job. It's fun. That, it was. It's amazing, the details, like you said, and not even in the houses, but even in the stores, the cars, you know, everything. It's just the the they d definitely are doing this right and that's what's pretty awesome i have some friends of mine who were extras this last season and they made them have to grow bangs and grow their hair out a certain way so they wouldn't have modern hairstyles and you know they even had their kids in it and they had to grow their hair into 80s styles and everything and it took like 3 or 4 months for them to get to that it was just it cuz it's not wigs a lot of it's you know pretty standard there's not a ton of cgi in these things a lot of it's a lot uh, of practi practical stuff too there is cgi yeah. don't get me wrong there's a ton of, there's a lot like you know especially um later in the season and so but a lot of the effects you know the stunts and everything they're not cgi some there are a lot of practical stuff because i got to watch some of the making of and so it's pretty cool to see I think uh, I think also, and uh, yeah, when it, since we're talking about the age and the, the time period and everything like that too, I think I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm almost positive. 1986 was the year I was introduced to Kate Bush as well uh, via Peter Gabriel um, off that album. So, and as well as you know, the whole story came out, which was her compilation album. But I think that's what at least everybody I knew when I went to college uh, was playing. And uh, so that's where I really fell in love with her music um, and, and was introduced to her and, and, and that sort of thing. So the fact that, you know, it's included in here is pretty cool from a lot of perspectives, but I also feel like it's, it's like accurate as far as like historically accurate. Um, uh do you guys remember when you were introduced to Kate Bush as well? And did that feel like it was true? Um, it was about that year. The time period? Yeah, it was within the, the, the two-year period. I think 84, I first discovered her because I had a friend of mine who graduated the year before me. And he started working at the community college radio station. And I started hanging out there. And that's where I discovered Kate Bush the first time, but they played a lot of, you know, all English and everything, you know, that's where I discovered like English beat and a lot of, you know, other bands. And it was just amazing, you know, to be able to, but Kate Bush always stood out with that, you know, just her voice and her look and even the music videos and such that she did. It was just always amazing. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember when I was still listening to top 40 when I was a freshman, but I remember hearing running up that hill all the time on the radio and wound up, you know, I had like the cassette single, I think <laughs> back when they had singles on cassette tapes and not yes. records. I had that. And then I think I wound up buying hounds of love, like 
not long after I had the single because I just was obsessed. I mean, I was a little like Max, like I would listen to that song all the time. Uh, Amy, were you introduced to her then too, or? I I actually remember that video on MTV. Um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I, I was too young for her at the time. I, I thought that video was weird. Um, that, you know, whatever, it's why we have MTV. That's great. Um, so I actually um, found Kate again a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I I got there. I got there. It took me a sure. minute, but I just, I was just really too young for her at the time. But um, yeah, Running Up That Hill is a great song. It's been um, covered by a lot of people, which is, I think, how I um, uh, found her again. There was a great group of Monsters and Men, I think, that they had did a cover that was on the radio quite a bit um, two or three years ago, I think. Um, and it was, you know, kind of through the back door that I rediscovered her. She's great. I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy for yes. her that, um, that she's been rediscovered and... Um, uh, yeah, but very well yeah. deserved too. Very, very well deserved. Well so good for her. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, mentioned on our music episodes, uh, especially when we're talking about the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We've talked about her name has come up a few times, but it seems very unlikely that she'll ever be voted in, um, and uh, for whatever reason. And at least this is kind of uh, it's it's not like equal, but it's kind of like saying, "Hey, she's still relevant. You know, she's still cool. Uh, take that." rock and roll hall of fame wouldn't it be uh, but fu- I also, kind of funny though mikey if she got into the rock and roll hall of fame because of the show i you know what i i good for good for everybody involved mm-hmm. if that if that were the if that were to happen uh and we'll see you know the rock hall can be pretty stubborn about stupid things too but um but i but more importantly i also think it's the perfect song for max and what max is going through so i i really um felt the the tie in there and it kind of because i uh because i discovered her, uh that her music and and that song around that same time it kind of made uh me uh identify with max a little bit more than i think if she was like listening to i don't know somebody else let's put it that way <laughs> uh did you guys feel that way as well i mean cuz that's right in the first out episode right she has a playing you know, during that episode, right. but the, it exactly. becomes much more important further down into the series. So, yeah, but I think it's a pretty established because it's what she's listening to when she's, you know, waiting to go see the, 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 I, you know, we never had a, we, she was a school, school, she was was a school counselor. A, yeah. Yeah. We never had a, a counselor in our high school. It wasn't big enough for a counselor, I guess. Uh, but uh, so I just see that kind of, I don't, I don't know. Do you guys have school counselors? Cause we never, we never had that in our, we did. Oh, yeah, we did. I don't know that they, I mean, I went to one a couple of times because I did not have a very good time in school. Um, it, was, it was pretty rough. Um, I, they didn't make any, they weren't any help whatsoever. Um, I think I felt a lot like Max in that, you know, it was pretty pointless. Although her counselor did at least seem to care a little bit more than the ones in my high school did. Um and so I, and I think this show, one thing, I think the show has done a really great job of using music um, and connecting them with these characters. And I think, you know, this song, like Michael said, is, was a perfect fit for Max. Um, I think, you know, especially at that age, again, I was about the same age when I heard it and I 
you know, I, I connected to it in a very powerful way as well. Yeah, they're not just using songs to make a soundtrack hit. Like, right, not just for another like soundtrack. They're really yeah, using and, songs to, to kind of um, help with help the storyline and help, help the storyline, help the, character, to the characters. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's and and visually they get to play around and do some sort of music videos, you know, with that as well. And we'll see that a little bit later uh, in the season, but. Um, uh, so uh, what are our thoughts going into that first episode? We're reintroduced to everybody, almost everybody. Uh, we're certainly, uh, we certainly see how things are going in Hawkins um, with, uh, with, with uh, Mike and, uh, and, and his crew. Um, I think I was really like, I think from that very first episode, I, I was really drawn to Max in a way that I don't think I was the, in the previous season, but um, how did you feel reconnecting with the, the characters, Amy? Yeah, I agree. I, my heart just really went out to Max. Um, you know, she had been so spunky and so fun despite this um, abusive home that she was living in. And obviously what she had experienced at the end of season three really, really affected her in a way that, I was concerned because so much time had passed. I didn't know how she was going to come back from that. And then obviously that ended up being a major plot point. Um, it, it was interesting. I felt like everybody seemed to be, I don't want to say struggling, but everybody certainly had their, their issues or their obstacles. Um, Elle was not doing well in California. She was not adjusting to being in school, being away from Mike. She you know, social skills, education, all of it was just not, she was not doing well. Will, we didn't really get to hear a lot from Will, but he does not look like he's doing very well either. Um, Joyce is not happy selling encyclopedias <laughs> over the phone. <laughs> God love her. I wouldn't either. Who would be? <laughs> Who would be? I mean, it, no, and, and you know, Mike is, is super excited because he's going to go to California for spring break. Um, I, I don't know. They, you know, Lucas is really struggling. He's trying to figure out who he is as a person. Has you know, decided to join the basketball team, which, again, at that age, they're gonna they're gonna do that. You know, um, the friends that you're friends with in middle school are not necessarily the friends you have in high school. You know, people do um, look at other activities, other interests, um, go through phases. You know, um, and Lucas joined the basketball team, tracked, but I was also feeling sad for him because he felt pulled in two different directions as well. Um, so yeah, everybody seemed to just not be doing quite, quite as well. Um, and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely, everybody's in a weird place. And I guess that's, you know, you're entering, I mean, you know, the, most of the kids are entering high school. That is a, a beginning of a new journey. Um, and so it, it kind of does, you know, it is parallel to what is going on, I think. And that's one of the things that's been prevalent through the season, at least when it's done well. Um, did you get that feeling as well, Rebecca? I did. I did. Um, like Amy said, I, I, you know, you could definitely see all of these characters, even the ones that were still hanging out together, still sort of starting to drift apart. You know, like, like she was saying with, you know, Lucas, who, you know, he, you know, he's still 
kind of into the D&D, but he also, you know, sees this opportunity that, oh, maybe I could hang out with the popular kids and, you know, be like a basketball star and, um, and go on that track. And his being sort of conflicted between, you know, wanting to still stay with his, you know, kind of core group of friends, but then also wanting to kind of hang out with the popular kids, which I think, you know, a lot of us probably went through in high school, you have that, you know, whereas, well, although, you know, Dustin doesn't seem to care about that at all. He's, he seems to very much know who he is <laughs> and what he wants. Um, and, you know, seeing them hang out, you know, with some of the newer kids like Eddie, which I know we'll probably get to him later, you know, this new character who, like I said, I knew so many guys in high school that, I mean, it, it was, they were Eddie. <laughs> um, and then, you know, seeing what Eleven is going through in California. Again, I think anybody that's ever been bullied probably related to oh. him so hard in this. Although, you know, we didn't have superpowers, but I guess, you know, neither, neither did, she. did she at that point either. Um, <laughs> but we wish yeah. we did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, that, you know, the scene where, you know, in the, in the roller rink with Mike and, you know, her bashing, you know, uh, the the mean girl's face in with a skate. I mean, I, I can tell you in all honesty that I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was like, a fist bump moment for me, truthfully. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I don't condone violence, but I can tell you there were many moments in high school that I wish I had done, kind of done something like that just once to the mean girls who were, you know, she... physically and, you know, verbally bullying me. So I... I, I didn't have a lot of sympathy for the mean girls at that point, but I did have a lot of sympathy for Eleven. She was trying so hard to keep it together for Mike and to show him how, you know, well she was she was acclimating to California, but obviously, you know, obviously she wasn't. Right, right. And then still dealing, uh, you know, thinking that Hopper, you know, her dad was dead and you know, being separated from her boyfriend and, you know, the only people that she'd really known. I think, uh, for me, the, uh, the, the, in the first episode, uh, you know, just trying to catch up with everybody and, and every, you know, watching it and everything and seeing what what's going on and, you know, and hearing the Kate Bush song and being used, I'm like, Oh, I bet that's going to be a big thing later on. Cause that's what I hear. Uh, but, um, to me, when they had the like the, I think the episode ended with uh, sort of a parallel, two two parallel things going with the D and D D and D game and the basketball championship game going on at the same time and intercutting. And I thought that was, I thought that was clever and brilliant. Actually, I, I really liked the way that was portrayed as if as if like I don't think I'd ever you know because you you hear like people being picked on because they're nerds or whatever, because they like this. Whereas sports fans are like, that's more legitimate to be interested, but it's like, it's all the same thing, right? It's all the same thing. It's, it's, it's these kids having fun, having a good time competing in the ways that they're competing. And it's very similar. And I really like the fact that it was, one was juxtaposed on the other. And, uh, and it really got my, like, it really got my blood up. I was like, man, this is really, really good this is really, really good TV. Uh, I think we're going to be in for something special this season because look at what they're doing just in this first episode. 
Yeah, and we got uh, to see Erica. Uh, you know, it was great to see that, <laughs> and she was still into it because I was. You know, they sort of set it up at the end of the season three that you know we um, gave her the you know her, her his their old you know D and D books, and I was wondering, La, is she going to just be like, yeah, whatever, or is she going to continue with that? And it was really great the way she walks into that game, like you know, look, I'm better than all of you, and you know, and you know, she showed him. I thought that was really awesome. I'm- yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike, anything else about that first episode that uh, really impressed you, or that made oh, you it was it was interesting? Like everyone's saying, you know, you had the splintering of the crew, and you had, you know, Dustin and Mike going with the D and D guys, and then you had Lucas going trying to become one of the jocks, and you know everyone's trying to feel out and find their place at that point in life. And, you know, you're trying to find out where you fit in and everything. And sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes you have to say bye to other friends who you knew and everything. And you got to see, you know, the jocks, you know, Oh, don't, why are you talking to those geeks, you know, or whatever, or you had the mean girls and, you know, in California and, oh, the cool kids and, you know, Eleven having to deal with that. And, you know, I think everyone dealt with it in their own way. I think everyone on this podcast had to deal with those kind of things. So, you know, it's it felt very normal to see and it was neat to see some real life things while at the same time having some very bad things coming on the horizon which was very interesting. And they didn't throw it right in your face. A lot of it was very subtle in that first episode, which was mm. very, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, except for the end of the first episode where Chrissy well, gets, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's when, that's when all, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Then you then you remember, Oh, I'm watching stranger things. I'm not watching a John Hughes movie. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, Oh was, my goodness. I was waiting for the OMD moment or, you know, <laughs> right. Exactly. Simple minds, you know, so, um, but so, no stranger uh, things. Exactly. Like, Oh yeah, this is a horror show. I forgot almost. Um, All right. So as we've already kind of alluded to uh, in that first episode, we also get introduced to Eddie Munson, who's probably outside of Kate Bush, like probably the biggest like revenue generator for this franchise, maybe ever with everybody buying Hellfire Club shirts and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Eddie really is like he gets a great introduction in the cafeteria. He gets that scene where he and, and from there on, I think everybody just I mean, I think you just all fall in love with him. He just wins everybody over. And I think that's partly because, uh, you know, he's relatable. A lot of people, like Rebecca said, remember characters like this, but, and he's written well, but also Joseph Quinn just plays him. I think amazingly well. And I think it is really the standout performance maybe of, of (laughs) maybe of 2022, really. Um, Amy, what do you got to say about Eddie? Oh, I love Eddie. What is not to love? <laughs> he's amazing. I mean, he's like, you know, this is going to be my year. This, I'm going to graduate this year. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> We're like, yeah, I don't know, buddy. But yeah. Third time's a charm, right? <laughs> right. Charm. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> but he's just so great. Again, for anyone who's ever been bullied for being different, he is just like, he owns it. 
And he, he sees value in his difference and he doesn't care that you want to call him a freak. I'm sure he does, but he, he sees himself as the leader of all these kids that need a home. He even says to Dustin and Mike that in that scene that they were two little lost sheep and he brought them into the fold. Um, so whether or not he doesn't see himself as a leader, but he's showing us in the very beginning that it's there, that, oh man, he just, he's great. He's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's another reason why in the very first episode, um, with everything else that's going on, the introduction of Eddie made me think this is going to be a special season. Uh, I mean, granted the season before we got Billy, but Billy's kind of not cool and creepy. <laughs> so, so at least I found him like cool and creepy. Whereas Eddie's like the complete opposite, like really cool. Uh, maybe a little creepy, but not, you know, maybe it's just people who don't know him. Uh, but uh, uh, Rebecca, I know you're an Eddie fan as well, right? Oh, yeah. And I have to wonder if Netflix and the Duffer Brothers had any idea how popular and how strongly people were going to connect with that character. Um, because, yeah, like you said, I mean, from the outside, you know, the jocks see him and like, oh, what a freak. And, you know, what, you know, he's, he's a Satanist because, you know, he listens to Dio and plays D&D. Um, but then, like, again, like a lot of kids that I knew and kind of like how I turned out by the time I was a senior in high school, it's like once you got to know them, you know, they were like the nicest kids and they, you know, were the most accepting you know, they were like, they didn't care, like, what brand jeans you were wearing or, you know, how much money your parents made. It's like, if they liked you and they thought you were cool, you were cool. Um, and I think that's why, again, I think that's why so many people connect with Eddie. Um, and again, Joseph Quinn is just such an incredible actor. I didn't even realize until after I had finished watching it that he was a British actor. Because he, All right. he yep. just nailed that American, like, heavy metal 80s teen so well and not you know they could have easily gone stereotypical with it um but they didn't it was so realistic like down to all the buttons and you know the patch on the back of this jean jacket it was just like perfect yeah i i did not know until doing the research this weekend that the character of eddie munson was actually based on a real person uh damien eccles uh one of the west memphis three who was convicted in 94 of the deaths of three boys, mainly due to his appearance. Um, yeah. And, and, and being like, you know, and ties to being part of some sort of satanic cult or whatever. I had no idea that that was like, like a real thing, but I, I give them the Duffer Brothers credit for tapping into something real to sort of ground the character as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, I think you can, I think you can sense it. I think that's what, you know, uh them making it you you kind of have that that weight he has a little bit of weight to him that uh you know that you wouldn't get i mean as rebecca said it's not just a stereotypical the way he treats chrissy um and that scene with them in the woods where she's trying to buy drugs or whatever i mean eddie is really like we just saw him be like over the top and outlandish in the cafeteria but here he's very real like right away, he's very real and relatable, and I think having those scenes together in the first episode really worked for him. And that's yeah, what the, made I mean, it... the way he sits exactly. down, like he takes the time to talk to her, and actually, yeah. you know, kind of try to get to know her and what's going on with her in a way that her 
you know, boyfriend, the the so-called good guy, Jock, Ugh. obviously doesn't. And who, you know, turns out to be, you know, um, you know, one of like the, the torch, the, the torch wielding, you know, psychos, you know, guys, psychos. Yeah. The going after the Satan, the, you know, the dirty Satanists. And, and to be stupid enough to re- think about that witchcraft was real and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And even though they were seeing stuff that were beyond their belief, they were so small minded that, you know, they blamed it on magic and, you know, and, D&D and stuff and it's just it gets well, into I a, mean you see that now in 2022 we, you know, we, people we, can't we, really see what's in front of them they they refuse to believe what they're what they see with their own eyes well of so. course not and but that's, that's a whole other podcast that's another that's another <laughs> podcast for another time and it's interesting too because like you said everybody knew somebody in high school like Eddie everyone had friends like Eddie, you know, you were associated with them. You might have not been close with them, but you knew somebody like that. And like you said, they come off like, oh, they're weird, they're crazy, but they were the nicest people in the world a lot of times just because that's what they connected with. And it's a lot of time, you know, I have friends of mine who are bikers tattooed up and everything, and they're the nicest folks in the world. Just, you know, that's what they're into. And, you know, t- especially in high school where people had to be pegged and everything, you know, you had to be in one of those groups. And, you know, as one who wasn't, who floated between all the different groups, I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, meet a lot of them, meet the jocks, meet the popular ones, meet the freaks, as they called them. And, it was I liked the freaks the best because they were the most accepting, and it was always great. And Eddie was a, per, a perfect example of it. He was a nice guy who, basically, because of what he liked and everything, had a bad reputation and everything. Even though he was just a normal kid, and you know, hopefully this year he'll graduate, as he said. You know. <laughs> It's going to be this year. This year's his year. This is his year. This is Eddie. Yeah, well, well, yeah. And, uh, you know, as the season goes on, unfortunately, that's that's not to be. But um, uh, all right. So after we're introduced, reintroduced to everybody, introduced to the new players, uh, then the series uh, adopts a triptych structure. Uh, Look at that. My dollar uh, word for the day. Um, uh, Basically, you know, Going into three parts where we've got uh, what's going on with uh, uh, Eddie and uh, Max and the crew like in Hawkins and they're dealing with these rash of killings uh, connected to the upside down. Uh, Then we've got this uh, then we've got over in California. We've got Eleven and uh, and Mike. Uh, Eleven's having flashbacks about Papa being reintroduced to papa and going trying to get her powers back and then we've got uh uh joyce and murray uh going on their arc to russia to save hopper so we've got these three storylines going on at the same time i don't know if it was you know doing the research it's kind of up in the air whether this was designed this way originally or whether or not they they decided to do this to make things easier to film during because of covid and break things up uh but in any case i think it does add 
um, a lot, like each one of the storylines, of course, takes a lot of time. And that's what really uh, adds to the episode length. Uh, because they have to give each one of these storylines uh, a little bit of uh, some scenes, something that's going on. Um, was there any particular, uh, well, first of all, did you like this structure? We'll start with you, Rebecca. Did you like this structure? and um, Or was there any one of these that was more compelling, these storylines, to you than the other? Um, I did like this structure. I thought, you know, it's always tricky when you veer off into different storylines. You know, are you going to be able to give each one the attention that it needs so that, you know, it, it, at the, and at the same time, you know, continuing, you need to continue to keep the story going. So it, inevitably each one is going to have to, you know, they're going to have to verge at some point and, you know, it all makes sense to the story. Um, I think the only one that maybe caused me to sort of not, I wasn't bored by it, but I was like, you know, okay, let's go was, you know, the, with you know Mike and Will and um, Jonathan and Argyle, you know them trying to get to back to um, to Hawkins, you know to to find out what had happened to Eleven and you know get everybody back, kind of get the team back together. Um, although I, I I loved the character of Argyle, I thought he was fantastic. Um, he was definitely another I, think, another and, I think you know this this was a pretty heavy season and and you know like. Mike, I think, had said, you know, season three, sort of Hopper was sort of the comic relief a little bit. Um, but I think that job I, definitely uh, was um, left up to Argyle in this season. <laughs> because, again, I think all of us probably knew somebody that was a lot like Argyle in high school. <laughs> At least I know I did. <laughs> high school? I still know people like that. Oh, what do you I, mean? I, 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 mean that, I will say that was my... Uh, introduction to that side of counterculture um, was a guy that was, I mean, almost exactly like Argyle. I mean, almost down to the hair and, you know, dressing in those like sort of, you know, Native American, like the poncho kind of things and, um, you know, always smelled weird. And <laughs> <laughs> Patchouli. And you could say it. He smelled like Yeah, patchouli. he smelled a lot like <laughs> Patrulli and Sandalwood. I wonder why. I, I, I could, I could, I could. He was reeking off the screen every time he was on. I was like, oh, it, this is Patrulia. Like, I could, I know what he smells like. Uh, <laughs> um, Amy, what about you? What did you think of the structure? And were there any of the storylines that worked better for you than others? Um, I like the structure. Um, you know, for better or worse, Stranger Things has a lot of characters. So I think in order to give them any due, really, I think they had to break it up into the different, um, the different groups. Um, yeah, I, there were parts that kind of felt a little draggy. And I agree with Rebecca that some of the stuff off in the desert with Mike and Will and Jonathan and Argyle was it kind of felt like they were talking about what they needed to do a lot as opposed to things happening to them. And I also kind of felt the same way about the the Russia plot with Joyce and Murray going to um, the prison to free Hopper. It felt, I kept thinking something interesting was going to happen. We'd already established that the Russians knew about the Upside Down, that um, they were doing a lot of things with the Upside Down that we hadn't seen um, the Americans do at the Hawkins lab. So I felt like the stakes were higher there. 
but then they ended up by the end, it was mostly them just breaking Hopper out of the prison. I mean, we did learn a little bit toward the very end, but that was a lot of time just to break him out of the prison. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we did get a little bit at the very end, but I don't know. I mean, these characters are fun. I I enjoy watching. They're, so, they're written so well, and I enjoy watching them interact. So I'm not sad, but plot-wise, I felt like there was a couple of places that they felt like they needed to give people extra time or equal time. So they kind of, I don't know, um, lengthened some things that maybe they didn't need to. I love the addition of Argyle. I thought he was great, um, especially with Will, Mike, and Jonathan, because th- that those three are super serious, very intense. You know, we have to go save L. We, you know, not just save the L, but we got to save the world. And so to have Argyle there, that specific kind of comic relief really worked for me. I thought he was a great character. I thought he was a good addition because I was a little worried. You know, we're gonna we already have a lot of characters, and we're gonna bring in new characters. Okay. But it works. So, I mean, then that's great. Very much yeah. so. Well, don't worry. They'll probably eliminate a few. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, what did you feel about the story structure? The story structure was very smart in a lot of ways because you had such a big cast that it's easier when you break them into smaller groups. And they, it gives chances for characters to interact and to be to do more things because we've talked about it on Doctor Who when there's more than two companions a lot of times the third one gets lost it was felt this way you know with you know if there was more than four or five four people in the scenes you felt like the characters were getting lost and a lot of times it broke up even into smaller groups when you broke off with Robin and, you know, Steve and, you know, all the different, you know, people, Nancy going, working for the newspaper at first and having her assistant who later got killed. And it was just, it was interesting to see, you know, the different groups and everything. Cause you even were following Lucas with the jocks at a point. And so you, were able to see, and then you had you had Hopper in Russia. Then you had Joyce and Murray in Alaska, and having to deal with the crooked pilot and everything. And then you had the, like you said, Argyle and Mike, and you know his that crew. So you had all these different groups all around, and it worked really well. And you sometimes didn't even see some of these groups in one of the episodes. You, you know, and that even made it even better because they were off doing their own thing and it just slowly, and they all slowly started spinning into joining up together and everything. And that made a great story because they were, you know, the stories were combining and everything. And that is pretty masterful story taking and agree about Argyle completely. He was a great addition to the cast this year. Um, I think, you know, next to Eddie, he was my favorite, you know, newer character that we got to see because the jocks sucked crap, you know, and, you know, (laughs) and I was glad to see some of them get their uppance and we'll talk about that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, add that, uh, I think it was again, smart to open up the, the world of, uh, 
of Stranger Things to allow for all the characters to breathe a little bit. They didn't feel like they were all confined to this small town so they could actually spread out and do things. Um, I thought the stuff that was going on in Hawkins really felt like this is this is the Stranger Things that you expect. This is what we're doing. We're dealing with the upside down. This is you know, there's horrifying things happening here. You know, it, that's really if that was like the core of Stranger Things. But then you get uh, two other storylines. One is with Eleven, uh, primarily getting her powers back. Um, she's having flashbacks. The other you know, Mike and them are trying to find her. Everything like that that's going on there. Uh, very compelling. Uh, the the flashback story is, was really well done, especially in the case of the CG that they used to de-age Eleven. Uh, I thought oh, that, that was, was amazing. Really well. That was amazing. Yeah. She th- absolutely. That, yeah, you know, that was some of the best CGI in the season. Truthfully, you know. I, yeah, I thought so too. And I liked the premise that it was like, you know, even though she was look, I mean, they sort of had an out there where they didn't have to do it all the time because this is, she's just reliving this, right? So she, they could use the older actress without CG at times. Um, but then they would remind you almost, uh, you know, uh, every episode that yes, no, you're seeing uh, 11 when she was like tiny. Um, and, and I thought that played out re- well. I did not expect the uh, the turn of events where that would lead into what was going on in Hawkins with the same character being you know both uh, involved with both of those so I thought that was uh, pretty compelling the uh, Joyce and Murray storyline in Hopper was interesting I will say it's probably the I thought it was the most padded of all the storylines to me uh, it felt like you know whereas we were getting a Stranger Things storyline and a sort of superhero getting their powers back storyline. This one seemed like a, a U.S. like wacky Russian '80s story that like right from the right from the '80s, like you know, that we, like spies, spies like us. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. See, you know, where I was going with that. Um, something like that, like you know, um, and uh, and 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 I and I had it, and I recognized that, and I sort of enjoyed it, but yet it just sort of like, like I said, there were times where it just sort of padded out. I thought that. Um, uh Harper what Harper was Hopper was going through um uh, David Harbour was doing an amazing job like like making people forget that he was like comedy relief in the last season he's like I am a tough ass character and I want to kick him but I didn't really I couldn't feel like how how is this going to tie in with the other two storylines and it seemed like that was the weak link like to have them do I mean I understand what they were doing was important to helping uh, you know, defeat uh, the bad guy, the big bad, um, and Hawkins. It just felt like we we went through a lot to get there. Um, and then, you know, they're the ones that show up, like, afterwards, everything's over, and they're like, hey, we're here. And they're like, oh, my God, you just missed everything that just happened. Like, like, like it just was, uh, it was, it was, it was weak. But, um, I mean, I'm glad they kind of did it, because obviously that, like there's those chess pieces are in place for what happens next, right? That's they're important for what's happens next. And, and before we get into what happens next, I mean, we still, I don't want to like, I mean, we've got a limited amount of time. So if there's something about this particular season that you want to point out that you really enjoyed a storyline, a character, a sequence, uh, something the way play uh, played out the bad guy, we haven't even really talked about him much. 
Um, Amy, we'll start with you because I know you have a bunch of notes. <laughs> What's something else from this season that you really want to uh, spotlight or bring out? I want to talk about the episode Dear Billy um, mm. when Max, um, she reads the letter at Billy's grave when she's figured out that she's been targeted by Vecna and um, she basically prepares for death. Um it was heartbreaking. It was just what Sadie Sink did in that episode was absolutely amazing. Uh, her reading that letter to Billy, um, I, again, you know, he had been so horrible to her, but at the end of the day, she still saw him as an almost brother. She wanted him to be a brother. It just, it was, it was um, amazing to watch her go through all that. And then for her to, be almost taken by Vecna and her friends being able to save her again was just, it was sweet. It was heartwarming. It was heroic. Um, they played the music, but she still had to run to the light herself. I just loved everything about the way they did all that. I thought it was, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was really like, I think uh, it's right in the middle of the season. Right. And it's really one that just sort of, like if you're not invested at that point, there's nothing they can do after that's going to work for you. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> I think it's, I think it's really the heart of, of the the series or at least this season anyway. It was actually really smart of the kids to figure out that the music would help pull her back from absolutely and everything. And it was, that was so well done. It was, it was really smart. I found it kind of funny, though, with like the scenes in Russia when, you know, Hopper had escaped the first time and he went to the warehouse and it had all the American stuff and everything. And it reminded me of how popular American goods were back then. When I first moved out to Seattle in 91, 92, we had they had trailers, sell your Levi's and, you know, and it was all around town, they had trailers and stands set up that people were buying Levi's. They were going to buy your Levi's from you and send them to Russia because they could, they could triple the money they were buying it from you for. And that's how popular American goods were. And to see the warehouse, it was just like hilarious. <laughs> and, and a lot full of lots of peanut butter. Oh yes. Well, you never go wrong <laughs> with peanut butter anyway. So it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, was there anything else about this season that you wanted to point out as well? Um, just, you know, I love Paul Reiser's character in this one. Ah, very nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice to see him return. It was it was awesome to see his character because you couldn't tell, was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? You know, you know, and you thought that last season also, and he ended up being one of the good guys and, you know, in the government and everything. And it looked like he was trying to help Eleven out. And, you know, even at the, in this beginning of the season, and then you find out he's been working with, you know, Papa the whole time. And that's kind of an interesting thing. And then the subplot with what's going on with the government and everything also with the soldiers that got pretty intense and pretty violent, you know, mm -hmm. at, you know, the shootout at the house with the agents and stuff. And then what they did, how the sniper was picking off the people coming out of the fort or the fortress, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the sniper in the helicopter. And when 11 took out the helicopter, that was just awesome, you know, 
And, you know, when she got her powers back, you know, she was ready. And But even, you know, her being full strength didn't mean Jack when she went up against Vecna. So, she, so it was just interesting. She had to have help with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I liked uh, Paul, the return of Paul Reiser, too. And I thought it was a great um, sort of way to sort of offset uh, Papa and everything that he was doing to have someone else be like um, someone else there that we recognize of a somewhat authority to be like, Hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you're doing is not cool. Um, so but that was kind of cool. The other one thing I did want to bring up real quick before we move on was, you know, how I said it was ingenious of the kids to help with, to figure out with the music, but then for the kids to figure out the electrical and the, the charges, you know, between the mm-hmm. in, the upside down and regular and using the light bright to communicate. <laughs> that was just smart as heck. It was clever. It was fun. Yeah. And I thought Steve, yeah. Steve was going to be a, a goner when in the, I thought he was going to be the sacrifice and everything. Yeah, it, it really looked like Steve's days were numbered uh, a, a few times uh, in this for sure. Uh, Rebecca, what about you? What's uh, another scene or something you wanted to point out about this season? Um, well, we really haven't touched on Vecna yet. Uh, slash, right, good. Slash Henry Creel slash one. <laughs> um, but I thought, A, he was one of the coolest looking villains I think I've ever seen. I thought this the makeup um, and the, the prosthetics were just, he just looked absolutely terrifying to me. Um and and especially the way that he was getting his power by, you know, sucking, finding these kids that had gone through some sort of trauma and, you know, terrifying them for a few days, basically. And then just, you know, literally, you know, sucking the life out of them, um, I thought was just absolutely terrifying um, and just really sad as well, especially, you know, we... Because, you you know, they don't, I mean, obviously we know what Max's trauma is, but, you know, they, they only sort of touched a little bit on the other kids. I mean, we knew obviously Chrissy was going through something. Um, the the um, kid that was, the kid that was with Nancy that was on the, you know, the, on the right. high school paper, obviously I think had gone through like a car accident and they accidentally killed somebody. And then, you know, the other kid on the basketball team, but um, I have, a, a, you know, the, the actor that played um, Vecna, uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer, I thought was fantastic. Um, and, you know, as we find out his story and, you know, all of that, I thought, you know, you actually kind of start to feel sorry for him in a, in a, in a small way, even though obviously he's terribly <laughs> evil. But, but also just, you know, what he went, obviously, because we know what Eleven went through in that lab. Um, finding out, you know, well, obviously, you know, number one had to go through all of that, you know, and then some, um, you know, so even as terrible as he was, I, I found myself feeling slightly sorry for him, but again, I think that's just a testament to how well that actor played that role. Um, and I think that, you know, the best villains are the ones that sort of, you know, can portray, they don't think what they're doing is evil. I think, you know, they they think what they're doing is totally validated and totally, you know, makes complete sense. Um, and I think he did a really good job with that. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how, 
you know, how he fits into the, you know, obviously there's going to be some big showdown next season and how he um, fits into all of that. Yes, because even though Henry, number one, Vecna, whatever, he's got like a, he's got a trifecta of names. Uh, so, uh, um, but uh, even though he's defeated at the end of the season, uh, he's not dead. Uh, so uh, he's still on the table as far as we're concerned. But unfortunately, someone, it wasn't without cause, someone is off the table. And uh, we had to say goodbye to Eddie. Uh, Eddie makes the ultimate sacrifice, uh, but you know, it's hard to be sad when he probably gets one of the best scenes that has ever been filmed, not only in Stranger Things, but maybe in Netflix history. Uh, like, uh, freaking metal. It's <laughs> absolutely like, you know, uh, it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to say like, damn, I, I wish you didn't go. But I mean, if you're going to go, I can't think of a better send off. That was an incredible sequence uh, with the Metallica master of puppets. Again, perfect song choice for what was going on in the story, what was going on with the character and, and, you know, and it just kicked ass. I mean, it was a great sort of music video that they could edit to and everything like that. It was, it was so perfect. And um, yeah, I'm sad that, I mean, we're getting introduced to Eddie and like Mike said, where, you know, you get these, we get these new characters in each season and, you know, they kind of go out by the end. Uh, ultimately, are you, it's hard. I mean, I know how much we all fell in love with Eddie, but are are you, are you, do you think it was a mistake to kill him off or, or how did you feel about that? Uh, Amy, we'll start with you. Oh, well, no, I did not want him to go. He's amazing. That was the best guitar solo of all time. I mean, it was great. But I mean, there are so many characters. Um, there's just, just logistically, there's just too many people. And when you don't kill characters, then there's no stakes. You know, that this is supposed yeah. to be serious. If this is, you know, Vecta wants to take over the world, then, you know, there are people that do need to sacrifice themselves or people that die. Um, like I'm thinking Bob Newby um, in season two that, you know, he didn't sacrifice himself, but he still just didn't make it out. I mean, that's, that is going to happen. And what that does to us as a viewer, we go, okay, well then if they're going to kill these people off, are there other people that are also going to die later? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, it's, he had a great arc. It was a great story. He got to die a hero. Um, he didn't run this time, as he said at the end. Um, so that's that was a good way for him to go if he was if he had to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, um, I yeah uh, I agree with Amy. I think he had a fantastic arc, and you know, like also like she said, you know the this without without these characters, you know, at least without some of them dying, there's no stakes. And I mean, given the level of horribleness that's going on in this universe, I mean, <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that more people haven't died. Right. Um, so actually the the level the number, you know, the percentage wise, it's actually pretty pretty low if you think about it. Um but you know that the scene between Dustin that last scene between Dustin and Eddie, I mean, oh, that was just you know, that should win an Emmy. I think the actor, those actors, I mean, I was sobbing at, at the end of that. It was just, it was so good. You have no soul if you aren't, weren't touched by it. 
Oh, and, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not yeah. even trying to put people down. Oh, it was okay. You know, but if you didn't feel anything, because that was just heartbreaking and everything. And, and at the same time, what's going on with Max, too, you're kind of like, oh, my God, like, this is a double, like, they're they're punching me in the gut and in the face at the same time. <laughs> like, I just really felt uh, like, you know, this is, this is, uh, yeah. And, yeah, we we find out there's there's hope for Max, but uh, it didn't look like it at the time. No, exactly. And so that was kind of interesting about it. I liked seeing, you know, Eddie's evolution and he started becoming more and more comfortable with everybody, with the Scooby gang and, you know, hanging with Dustin and, you know, that there was just more out there, you know, cause there were episodes where he was just hiding in the boathouse for a few times and, then, you know, and he probably felt like, why is all this bad crap happening to me? You know, what have I done? You know, type thing. But then he was a drug dealer and stuff like that, too. But, you know, but he was a great, great character. And that's one of the things I loved about him. It was he was deep on so many different levels. And then the guitar solo was just like awesome. That was just totally awesome. So, and then he Thumbs died up. in Dustin's arms, which is just ah, <laughs> ah. Um, and he passed the torch to Dustin. You know, there's other lost sheep out there, and you need to find them and bring them into the. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I kind of want Dustin to show up in season five wearing that jacket and just gone, you know, totally full metal and just sort of, you know, <laughs> taking up the mantle from Eddie. Right. Okay, all right, well, that's a great place to do a segue because we are going to talk about what's next, uh, season five, at least what we want to see, especially how season four ended. So uh, we're going to do that after this quick break. everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Tidal Wave Comics has a series called the Female Force Series, which is biographies of strong role model women. Uh, they've had several musicians already. They've included Dolly Parton, Tina Turner, Barbara Streisand, and Cher. And the next title in the series will be Stevie Nicks. She will have her bio told in comic book form. 22 pages available in digital and print. The writer is Michael Frizzell. Artist by Ramon Salas. The hardcover cover art is by Paolo Tellosionami. I'm not sure which version I saw in the Instagram post, but the art is just beautiful. So look for that at your local comic shop. And also, Queen has become the first act in British history to reach 7 million sales of an album. They did it with a classic in the greatest hit genre, their 1981 uh, Greatest Hits collection. It is estimated that this album is in one out of four uh, UK households music collections. So it's amazing to sell that many albums, especially... In light of the fact that you can um, DIY your own copy of Queen's Greatest Hits, you just take 
any other uh, tape or CD and leave it in your car for a fortnight and it will turn into Queen's Greatest Hits. So just an amazing achievement. Uh, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. And currently I have a piece about the album we spoke about last week on ESO, uh, Bare Naked Ladies Gordon 30th Anniversary. Check that out. We will catch you next time. I'm Mark McRae, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Klink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. I know you're frightened. You're terribly frightened by what you've seen. But I'm not going to lie to you. Your friends are not prepared for this fight. Hawkins will fall. My friends need me. You're not ready. to stop. Not until he's taken everyone. Let's do it. But I have this terrible feeling. It might not work out for us this time. Now I just want you to watch. folks now we're going to get our predictions for what is going to be happening and how is the series going to be wrapping up in season five take it away mikey yeah season four was well you could say it was a bit of success uh when they dropped the second volume the last two episodes the netflix server crashed uh and uh i think it uh uh had 193 million hours of people watching in the first week of its release. Like it became, I think the second Netflix title to reach more than 1 billion hours viewed within its first 28 days of release, uh, following only squid game. And I think squid game had the had pandemic, uh, lockdown to help out with that. Right. So, um, uh, I mean, people had other things to do and they still tuned in. So, all those people who might be thinking, ah, eh, Stranger Things, is that still a thing? Uh, it is. Very much so. Netflix is committed to <laughs> probably like 10 more seasons if the Duffer Brothers want to do it. But so far, we know that there's going to be a season five for sure. 
Uh, although I think they've said that it's not going to be released until, correct me if I'm wrong, 2024. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So we are going to have to wait. Uh, probably means that they're going to start filming it next year, though. Well, that's good. Because, uh, like I said, the kids are getting older. We have no idea what is going to happen except for what we like. Yeah, we don't have any inside information. We have no idea what's going to happen. So this is all speculation. So it's not spoilers for season five because we're just guessing here or talking about what we want to see the way season or, or four as we call ends, it a typical episode of our station one. So it's okay. exactly. <laughs> so the way season four ends, we've got our crew uh, reunited all in Hawkins uh, again. Uh, Hawkins is uh, cracked. Uh, a billion ways <laughs> uh, thanks to the upside down uh, like leaking in uh, due to quote unquote an earthquake. Uh, so, but it looks like um, the upside down is bleeding into Hawkins at the end. Uh, Vecna is still alive. There's an idea that there's a bigger entity in the upside down i think uh we don't know exactly more about that i don't think but we i think there's there's somebody that vecna answers to is that did you guys get that as well yes i i definitely think so i think he's um you know i mean when when they show him arriving in the upside down we sort of see that um spidery creature that will you know saw um and I think I think we're going to see. I think um, Beckna is maybe just like a messenger, but I I, I kind of think in the next season we're going to see the the, the bigger bad. Right, right. It's 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 time to reveal like more about the upside down, right? Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think so. that's what what we all want to see. Well, I definitely think so. And you got a lot of explanation about what happened when he actually. When Vecna slash number one slash Henry first went to the upside down and, you know, how it was, they had no inkling that there was another dimension. No, nothing. There wasn't really even, you know, other than the big spider-like creature that he finally, that he saw and that Will saw in the drawing in season two. That was, you know, there was no, everything was mindless, just very primal in in a lot of ways and it was it was just very interesting to see but i'm not 100% sure you know i know there's something there but you know what its final end game is other, we don't know and i think you'll find that out in season 5 any other uh any other hints of what may or may not happen uh in season 5 amy I think this is where we talk about Will. Um, I do believe that Will is uh, the key to all this. He can still feel uh, the mind flayer. And um, I we don't really know for sure if that's what Vecna saw when he got transported to that other dimension. But Will can still feel him. You know, he was already possessed by him in uh, season two. Of course, he was in the Upside Down season one. I think this all does come back to Will. In season one, we didn't we didn't see him get zapped. We see we just know that he's disappeared. So we don't even really know how he got there in the first place. We know L opened a gate. Um, we know that a demogorgon got out, but how that actually happened, we don't really know. 
I have a theory that um, Will is actually the person that created the upside down, that he has some sort of latent powers that he's not aware of because we know um, when Nancy and that, that group went to the upside down, they went into her house that the upside down was frozen on November 6th, 1983, which was the date that will actually got zapped into the upside down. But that was also the date that um, 11 escaped and she had, cause she had opened the hole into the dimension so that you know it all ties together and it's like time froze in the upside down at that t- and on that date like you were saying amy and there's tons of theories with what it was the look on nancy's face because she thought it was present time and you know hey i have a gun you know we can go grab it and everything and for them going and discovering that they were stuck back in 1980, 1983. And so it was pretty fascinating to see. Yeah. So there's something about that date. You yeah. know, why would the upside down be frozen on that date? But that's where everything got started. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, because it started with Will and Eleven, I think that's where it's going to end with them. Um, and I, I think it would also be kind of interesting if, you know, maybe the rest of the town somehow gets involved with fighting this as well. I mean, at this point, maybe this will be the um, catalyst the, where they finally realize, oh, something's not right. I mean, I think they all realize something's not right with that town, given what's happened over the past few years. Um, but maybe, you know, with the upside down bleeding into, you know, the real world, um, and maybe we see the whole town sort of come together to help fight it. I, uh, I definitely agree that I think, you know, it's going to go back to will. Um, I think I saw something where the Duffer brothers said that, you know, when, it, when stranger things end, it's going to come back to will. Will has not a direct uh, storyline really in, in this season. He's kind of there um there's it seems like there's something that he he is feeling or wants to do or something but it just doesn't quite get there he has a great scene with mike um uh i don't know that's been that's also led to a lot of speculation about will's sexuality um big time and that's the real interesting thing is you you could tell i think he has tons of feelings for mike it's... In a way, in a way, Will feels like more of an outsider than almost anybody else in the series, even more so than Eleven. Uh, like yeah. he just feels like he doesn't belong. He he feels like so. Yeah, something else, and and that could be an analogy to you know his sexuality or how that's going to play out. I don't know, but um, I do feel like it's there's something else going on there, and I I, I think we're just yeah we don't we don't know whether it's going to be. Uh, maybe next season, hopefully next season, uh, I think we will find out more about that. We will find out more about Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anything else regarding uh, what you want to see? Uh, you know, we've got uh, we've got a uh, a romantic triangle going on uh, <laughs> between some of our characters. Uh, anything? Any thoughts about that? Um, you know, 
I mean, do we go I... with Team Steve or do we go with Team? <laughs> Poor Steve. I mean, again, at the beginning, you know, in the first season, who would have ever thought Steve would have been, you know, s- turned into this like lovable, like, you know, um, the, you know, the world's best babysitter, uh, <laughs> this character who kind of starts off, you know, kind of a jerk, but, you know, kind of redeems himself at the end of the first season. Turns out to be, you know, oh, he's not, you know, the stereotypical jock dude that, you know, we, we're seeing in the fourth season. Um, and he turns out to be a pretty decent guy. And, you know, the connection that he makes with the other kids, especially Dustin. Um, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, like, you know, you guys have said earlier, you know, I don't rule out that anybody at this point, any of them, you know, could die. But mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of want Steve to have, have a happy ending with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I, Nancy yeah. or... Somebody else. I just, you know, I want him to be happy. <laughs> I think it's too predictable if he ends up with Nancy, truthfully. But, I think, uh, yeah, I, think, I agree. I think last season's Steve relationship with, uh, is it Robin, right? Yes. I think that's really helped his character a lot and shown a different side to him that um, I don't think could have been explored in any other way. Um, uh, you know, so I, I definitely think that that's helped out. And yeah, I was. I was really concerned about Steve this season. I don't know why, but I just had, you know, I just had this sense that maybe Steve and boy, they really played around with that. I mean, he got attacked quite a bit <laughs> and, uh, and who knows that could lead to something. I mean, he could be quote infected. We don't, you know, we don't know. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah. So I think Steve's going to be interesting to watch. He's a, he's going to be an interesting character to watch. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm rooting for him and Nancy as well. Uh but I tell you what, um uh you know, Will's brother, what's his name? Um Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan. Yes, thank you. I they've got to do something else with that character to make him a little bit more interesting if he's going to have any sort of like if I'm going to be interested in him anymore. Cause again, I thought this season he's too busy getting stoned with Argyle. Come on. You know? Yeah. This season, I think yeah, he, he really also, he, he just drove the van to... basically, you know, right. he didn't yeah. see anything. there was nothing with his character. Right. And tried and... to talk to Will, but not, I mean, I think he gets the idea that yeah, obviously he knows something's going on with Will. And I think he has a suspicion, but um, yeah, otherwise they, that didn't really go anywhere. Um, so I think they they need to give him a better story arc. I think in the next season. Mm. Uh, what do we think of Hopper and Joyce uh, as a couple? Because it looks like they're going to be going forward together. Uh, I mean, they they have sacrificed themselves a lot for each other to make this work. So, um, how do we feel about them in the next season? Oh, I love them. I love them together. I think they're great. They're fun. It was pretty inevitable. Pretty, it felt like, it felt like you know, it was almost destined last season. It was like, come on, kiss finally. You know, <laughs> I'm more worried about Murray, truthfully. But you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, I know Murray. Murray needs Murray needs a happy ending as well. Exactly, but at least he knows karate now, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, Murray's one of those guys that's probably already going, always going to survive, tell the tale, right? So I, I'm not really worried about him so much. But um, 
But I will say, uh, you know, for the two leading adult characters of the series, I, I do think David Harbour and, and Winona Ryder both are just still fascinating to watch uh, the decisions that they make acting wise. And you wouldn't think that these two would make a great couple at all, but man, they just sort of work. They have chemistry. Um, and it's, you know, this show really allows Winona Ryder to just act. I mean, you never know what she's going to do. <laughs> I think it's just, and and you have that sort of feeling with her and it's, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's not like you feel like she's going to stab somebody or anything, but you just never know. And, and it's, she's always like, fascinating to watch i think um it's been a great uh, vehicle for her this series has and i think she's like the stronger. lead actress in it right yeah she's gotten, her character's gotten a lot stronger over the past few seasons i mean she started off you know just like a big crying bundle mess of nerves right and you know, now she's gone from that to like you know going to russia and like kicking ass and you know <laughs> rescue, going to rescue offer and been really interesting. Oh, that is, that prison scene with the Demogorgon was amazing. The first one when they were lined up, you know, for their sacrifice, basically, and yeah. they were and you know picking up the fiery spear and everything. That was really well done. That was just so much fun. Actually, scary. Yeah. yeah exactly. And I it was fun. It was a fun season. I I don't have any doubt that we're going to get something amazing for season five. You know, I would almost like to see maybe even a little bit of a time jump in some ways. Maybe the kids are in college, you know, because technically, you know, most of them are college age already. And, you know, it's it would be interesting to see, you know, maybe four or five years have passed and, you know, the characters evolved even further. Have they stayed together? Have I don't know. They... The upside down is like right out there. Like it's like, I mean, it looks like. I feel like... like they need to do something about that because it's not like, I, I feel like it wouldn't just stay in Hawkins. Like I feel right. like it would spread out. So like they've got to, you know, I feel like they need to, they need to kind of, you know, put a cork in that before they can move on with their lives and, you know, go to college or anything. Yeah, I, I do. I see what you mean, though, Mike, because like I said, um, this show has always been sort of a parallel or a, a tale of like, you know, coming of age story for these kids, character wise. And, uh, you know, much like Buffy or anything like that. So you kind of but I don't see season five, like starting like, OK, we're sophomores now we're going to high school. Like, it looks like by season five now, it looks like, okay, we're the pretense of doing like the kids stuff and coming of age stuff is the, the pre, we're taking those gloves off and we're, it's time to just fight between, uh, you know, the forces of good, uh, our gang and the, uh, upside down, uh, evil that's coming out. Like, it looks like it, that's, that's a battle in and of itself that I think is going to take up or should take up most of the season, I would think. Or it could be something like halfway through the season, they do a time jump or something. You know, they, sure. they they deal with what's going on in Hawkins and everything. And, you know, either they win or they lose. It'd be a fascinating story, actually, even. They lose. And then they jump a couple years later. And, you know, they try to then come back and beat. Just an idea. I don't know. I just feel like if they lose, they're dead. Like, <laughs> just like, like what, what does that mean? Like, they lose. I mean, like, it, that means the Upside Down is taken over. Because well, you don't really know. What the, since we don't know what the big bad is, we don't really know what the goal is. 
Rams? Like, is the goal for the upside down to just take over uh, the uh, the right side up world, if you will, or or what they're trying to do? Um, so, um, I don't know. That's not very clear to me yet. So, I, I hope that's explained as well. Yeah, that was my thought. That that's what you know Vecna was trying to accomplish by you know opening those gates was to bring you know, his realm into ours and to basically just make, you know, the whole world the upside down. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they they tackle that. And um, But I, I do agree with Mike. I think at some point before this show ends, we will see some sort of an epilogue where we see, you know, maybe, you know, after everything's been defeated or whatever, you know, maybe like, you know, like, like in Harry Potter, how they jumped ahead, like whatever, 17 years or whatever. And we see, you know, them old, old people make up. And, you know. <laughs> uh, let me ask you guys this. And because I've asked about some of the couples and, and, and all that of our characters. Um, are we, uh, how do you guys feel about, uh, Mike and Eleven? Uh, it looks like there were some, uh, you know, if you'll forgive the pun, cracks in their relationship this season. Um, and it looks like they're in a decent place, but I think there's some, still some questions there. Do you guys feel that, I mean, I sort of feel like their chemistry is, is, is getting further apart. Um, do you guys feel that way as well? Or do you think there's a future for the, for these kids? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know that they certainly were having some issues, you know, long distance relationships are hard, but that also gave him his speech in the end when she um, was, I don't even know the word, where she was inside Max's head and needed mm-hmm. to defeat Vecna. And Mike does his speech about how he loves her and she's his superhero. It allowed him to have that moment, which I thought was great. Um, so, but I, I don't, I don't know where they, I I don't know. I mean, they're in ninth grade. (laughs) That's the reality of it. I remember how I was in ninth grade. Um, I know, but they've been through so much together. They're not a normal couple. You know, this is not about typical stuff, you know, oh, that cute guy in math class. I mean, it's, it's completely different from that. So where do they go? I, I don't know, but that picture that um, Eleven wanted to Will to paint and Will had that conversation with Mike in the back of the van about how Mike is the heart of the group. So his love for Elle um, is what brings her back and gives her enough strength to fight Vecna in that moment. So I think that they'll continue with that. I think Mike and Elle will still be a thing in season five. Uh, interesting that you point, uh, point that up because I, I I did not buy the fact that uh, Eleven actually commissioned that from him. I thought I I didn't think he was being completely honest when he said no, that. No, I don't think maybe so, so either. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, we'll exactly. Find out. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, any thoughts about uh, Mike and Eleven's future? Yeah, I yeah I'm not sure either. I mean, because again, you know, they met when they were what like twelve. 13 years old and I you know I don't know many relationships that you know people that would stay together through that um however as Amy said this is not a typical relationship they're not typical kids um I think even you know if they you know even if there was no longer any sort of a romantic attachment obviously they're going to be connected 
for the rest of their lives, just based on everything that they've been through. Um, like all the kids, you know, or even, you know, if, if they drift apart, you know, their friendships, they're still going to be have this connection of what they went through. Um, so I, you know, if they want to go the realistic route, I could see Mike and Eleven drifting apart, but still maybe staying friends. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I, I, again, I think after everything that Eleven, after everything they've all been through, but, you know, especially Eleven, um, you know, I kind of want to see her have, you know, a sort of a stable, <laughs> a stable life for once in her life and, you know, a stable relationship with, you know, someone yeah i think uh look whatever happens in season five even if the duffer brothers say this is the final season it's you know it's too much of a cash cow to let like just sit right after this so i think whether there's spinoffs or whatever i think you know at some point there's going to be some sort of stranger things reunion or something that comes out much later uh so i don't know if we'll get answers to everything but uh, I think the the main thing about the, you know, uh, like trying to put the characters together in whatever form that, that they're going to go in. Uh, and uh, like you guys said, have some sort of look at maybe what the, the future looks like uh, for them as well. Uh, so they can play their own real actual age. <laughs> Maybe. Um what about uh lastly, what about the format? Um a lot there was like I said some complaints that the episodes were too long. Uh I don't know if they people were were saying that it was too long because they were padded or if they just felt like, you know, I want to sit down and watch something for an hour, not an hour and a half. Um, you know, two and a half hour finale, that's too much. Like, should they have broken it up into like, you know, uh, a two part thing or um, are you happy with the format, the way it's playing out this season? Rebecca? Um, well, as someone who regularly watches the Lord of the Rings extended editions, I have no problem with, <laughs> you know, the length <laughs> of this. I mean, to me, as long as it's, it, is it's, is it's holding my attention and, you know, it's, um, it's good. I'm fine with an episode that's, you know, an hour and a half. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and so far, you know, it has been, I, I don't really feel like it's been padded other than, you know, like you said, a little bit of the stuff, you know, with like Argyle and Jonathan, you know, the desert stuff and that like side trip to Salt Lake City. I thought, you know, uh, I could have, I didn't necessarily have to have that, but you know, it was still, I still fun and I still enjoyed seeing it. Um, but um, no, I, I you know, part of me almost wishes that they would just release an episode a week. Um, just ah. because then I would be able, because I can't trust myself to n to not watch them all in one go. <laughs> it's like, you know, a bag of chips. I can't just have one chip and then I'm good. I, you know, that's there need half the bag. So. Yeah. Um, I actually like the, the spacing out of releasing like a lot of the other streaming services do just because it seems to give me more time to process an episode that I watch rather than just jumping right into the next one. Um, I have a hard time remembering what took place in what episode when I binge it all in like, you know, three days or whatever. Um, so I, I, I do, but I don't have the willpower to 
like say like okay well i'm just going to watch one a week even though they've got they're all there i'm just going to watch one a week so uh you know well and then I mean, you run into spoilers if you if if everyone else yes. has watched it in one go and you try to watch one a week i mean inevitably someone's going to ruin something that oh you don't somebody's going to blurt somewhere somewhere out exactly there. and i mean if you know and i it's not necessarily their fault because you know if it's been a month and you're still watching it i mean it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see what they do, especially the format. Especially, you know, are we going to get more two and a half hour episodes, or are we going to get you know more episodes and shorter? So, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Or are they going to split the season up again? You know, I think that was a masterpiece. I'm glad they broke it up a little bit because it made yeah. made me even want to do that. that. Yeah. Although- because I know shows are doing that exactly Better Call Saul's doing it, you know, did it yeah. this last season. And it's just interesting to see. I'll be very curious to see the format. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to it. And 2024, can't believe I'm saying this, can't get here quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they have uh, this is what we know so far. That the fifth season of Netflix series uh, Stranger Things will be the last. Uh, the Duffer Brothers have said that uh, they already know the ending. Uh, I think they're writing it now. Um, they, uh, yeah, they since they start writing it uh, the first week of August, so they're starting to really get down on on what's going on now. And it will be released in 2024 is the scheduled uh, time frame. Uh, you know, I'll be it. You know, we'll see what. Hopefully that that comes to be and there's no other interruptions um that's what we know that's all i know um so uh any other thoughts on the series as a whole season four season five as we wrap up uh uh amy like i said i know you have some notes there is there anything else you wanted to say about about the show um, well, one of the things I thought was interesting is I saw an interview with the Duffer brothers and they said that from the beginning, they had like a 20, 25 page document that outlined everything that they wanted to do. And obviously, you know, the details kind of some of it, you know, became different as it went along, but they knew what they wanted to do and that they planted clues throughout the series so for someone like me, that means now all I'm going to do between now and 2024 is watch Stranger Things and transcribe it and look at all the images to so if I, I see if I can figure all this out. And I will be wrong that's a, that's a and marketing, I will care. That's, that's a marketing win on them and Netflix's part. <laughs> that is right. That is right. But I, I love it when shows do that. Um I, I find that kind of stuff as a, a love letter to the fans like me that really love getting digging in. And, you know, if somebody says a thing or wears a t-shirt, what does it mean? You know, is it a clue? I, I love those kinds of shows. And that's one of the reasons I love this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any last thoughts, Rebecca? Um, well, like Amy said, I, you know, I appreciate that this show um, you can tell when watching it that it's they sort of know where they're going with it. Unlike you know other shows where you know obviously you know maybe like for example Lost, where I think they were just making it up as they went along, and you could tell. Um, but the fact that they are you know they they've had sort of a set plan that they knew what they were going they wanted to do, and they've I think for the most part been able to follow that. 
um, and that, you know, there have been rewarding fans who are, you know, you can what you can, I mean, you can dig into it like Amy's going to do and really look for those clues, or you can just be a casual fan and still enjoy it at, at just as much. Um, but, you know, it's going to, it now though that Amy has said that I do kind of want to go back and rewatch it and sort of, you know, look for some little bits and pieces, you know, and just see if I can, you know, see if I can, if I get an idea of where they're, where they're headed towards the end. Um, and, you know, as sad as I'm going to be to see it end, because I just, it's become one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, I'm glad that they're ending it while, you know, on a high note, while it's still good and, you know, they're still leaving us wanting more rather than just, you know, dragging it out for 15 seasons and, you know, at this point, they're all, you know, by the end, they'll be all in their 40s, you know. <laughs> be old, old enough to do podcasts, you know. They were dealing with, you know, 25 years ago. And, uh... That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Absolutely. I, uh, I definitely agree. And not just rewatching them, not just to, you know, project what may happen in season five. But then when you go and watch season five, You'll be like, oh, I know that because I just watched the series. So I know what they're talking about here instead of going, oh, yeah, I guess that was a thing in the previous season. So I like uh, recognizing uh, those kind of things because my memory is crap. Uh, so uh, <laughs> being reminded of things like that is always a good thing. And I probably will. I probably will give the the series a rewatch before season five. At least I'll put that on my schedule anyway. But uh, Mike, what about you? Any last words? couple different last words. I'm looking forward to seeing it and probably will have to do a rewatch before it comes out. Also want to give a great shout out for the cameo by Robert on England. It was awesome. Oh, oh absolutely. As Victor Creel. Talk about Robert England. Oh. It was awesome to was see so, him. It was so awesome. Yes. And I love him. It was awesome because literally they recopied Silence of the Lambs in that one. They, the hallway was the same hallway that they, where Hannibal Lecter's cell was. And it was so well done. And then, you know, the reveal with Victor with having his eyes gorged out. Oh, that was just like, oh, that was just. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and will we see him? I mean, maybe we'll see him again in season five. Maybe he'll have some part to play in um, defeating Vecna, seeing that it's his kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, good so, call. So, yeah. So that was, you know, there was just the, all the little things in this. And, folks, you know, it it is worth a rewatch already. And, you know, it's just a ton of fun. And if you have friends who haven't seen it yet, what's their problem? Come on. <laughs> Stick them in front of the TV. Wrong with Make, you. Yeah, exactly. Watch it. Watch it. Well, as I said, I, uh, you know, I went into season four and I didn't, I wasn't, I guess, terribly excited. I didn't go right in that first day that it, the first part of it dropped and watch it or whatever. I kind of waited. Um, but after watching season four and it's entirely, I think it's the best season that they've had since season one. Uh, I think it uh, really renewed my interest and excitement about the show. There's a lot of really clever, really brilliant scenes, well done scenes uh, that shows why uh, this this show is as successful as it is, as special as it is. Uh, it's just so well done. 
And uh, I, I guarantee you that uh, not only do I hope to rewatch uh, seasons one through four again before season five goes uh, on live, but when season five does go live, I'm going to be right there and I'm going to watch it. I'm not, I'm not waiting uh, as long as, uh, you know, as, as I'm able, I will be watching season five as soon as it drops. Uh, maybe not all at once, but I will certainly start watching it as soon as it drops because I will not wait. Uh, they have proven to me that they are still one of the best shows on TV. So uh, I think I'm just going to have to take the day off of work and start yeah, watching yeah. whatever time it, it drops. I'm just going to have to start watching it then. Well, we'll definitely have to plan for that. We'll definitely have to plan for that. So, yeah. So hopefully you guys will still be interested in the show. So when we do season five, our review, you guys can join us then. So, but thank you so much for joining us now. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll close out the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Part 1. Now, I waited a little bit to do this episode because I wanted to give people a chance to watch the season, since right after it dropped, like a day later, I was seeing spoilers, and that made me so sad because I didn't get to watch it all right away. I was so excited for Season 4, and it did not disappoint. We got a well-done story with lots of different subplots that all fit really well together, and it did not take away from what was going on in each one when they switched over to a different plot. I did love how the show showed that the kids were growing up, and sometimes when you grow up, you grow distant from friends, like how Lucas was playing basketball, and that was really important to him, and all the others were still interested in D&D, but they didn't quite understand that basketball was also now important to Lucas along with his love for D&D. I loved how they brought Erica in since she is such a fantastic nerd girl and I absolutely love her character. So I was really happy that they showed that she loved playing D&D. She loved painting minis. Like it just made me so happy to get to see that side of that character. I also loved how the show in the first part handled Max's grief and how she felt responsible for what happened to Billy and how that made her draw away from her friends and kind of just completely go inside of herself with how she was feeling about that. Of course, I loved Eddie and I'm really, really sad that Chrissy was in such a small part of the show because I know the creators also regretted killing her off so early, but I wish we had seen more of her because her and Eddie's chemistry was so good. I thought Elle's bullies were very well done. I know a lot of people were saying that they were way too over the top, but truthfully, bullies when you were a teenager are brutal, and those ones were well written and so correct. I am a little offended, though, that the main bully's name was Angela. Like, I, I'm offended. I absolutely love the start of season four. It kept me engaged and I tried my best to spread it out over a week to watch because I wanted to savor the season. But the way many of those episodes ended, I had to keep going because the suspense was killing me. 
this show is was so highly anticipated and the creators came in so hard for us and they did not disappoint. You can tell that they understand their fan base and that their writing is just so on point. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Probably Stranger Things Part 2, but you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Thank you guys for joining us tonight talking all about Stranger Things Season 4. And, you know, Series 5 just can't get here quick enough. So let's thank our guests for being here tonight. Of course, Amy, thank you so, so much. Ah, Thank you so much for having me. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Um, Well, I will be at... Dragon Con. I will be one of the people wearing a Hellfire Club t-shirt. Oh, you'll be easy to find. You'll be easy to find. Yeah, and the thing I think I'm looking most forward to right now is uh, She-Hulk coming out on Disney Plus with Tatiana Maslany. I'm really looking forward to that. That's two weeks away, I think, right now. Yeah, I'm excited. So that's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. If you haven't seen the San Diego trailer that they put out, it looks awesome, and they are even breaking the fourth ball, which is totally cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So I'll be very curious to see where they go with it and if it's just going to be ha-ha laughs or if it's going to be somewhat serious. Um, you know, it should be a ton of fun, but thank you so, so much for being here tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, of course, Rebecca, it's been way too long. We're so glad to have you back on the show. Yes, thank you so much. This was uh, so much fun. Uh, I always love talking about Stranger Things. Um, like Amy, I will also be at Dragon Con. Um, Ooh, really? Promoting, promoting another TV show uh, that actually premieres Dragon Con weekend called The Rings of Power. Uh, Have you guys made an announcement if you guys are going to do a showing or not? Um, we're still working on that with Amazon. Um, uh, possibly maybe do, you know, sh- doing a setting up in one of the ballrooms, uh, a screening of the show. Uh, we may or may not have some special guests. Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, we'll definitely be doing a, a, um, a panel all about the show and, uh, you know, what we can expect, uh, to see and the, um, so, you know, they've already signed on. There's definitely going to be, I think it's five seasons. Um, and um, yeah, um, it's I'm uh, looking forward uh, to that. Uh, I will also be wearing a Hellfire shirt at some point, <laughs> as I'm sure about you know half of uh, the other attendees will also be wearing. But no, I'm sure of it. And you know, like we said, I don't think anyone's going to be cosplaying as anyone from the Hellfire Club or anyone from Stranger Things or. Anything like that. So, you know, I'm sure it wasn't. Nobody watched it, so it's okay. You know, that's why millions of people are leaving Netflix, as we talked about on a different show. So, but yes, I think it's going to be great to see everyone in costumes. I think it's going to be awesome. You know, I think last year I saw a couple Demogorgons even. It was pretty awesome. So, would it be awesome to see a Vecna? It'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, so it's very cool. And Mr. Mike Gordon, thank you so much for joining us, as always, my friend. And as always, it was my pleasure. And anything you want to shout out about? 
Well, uh, I did want to give a little bit of a, a space, uh, like a, a minute or so, to, as, as a tribute. I mean, we've lost a lot of talented folks over the last week or two, but uh, one I think of particular note, especially for uh, relating to all things pop culture, all things geek culture, and certainly as a Star Trek fan, uh, the loss of Michelle Nichols uh, this past weekend was uh, pretty, pretty big, a pretty big deal, pretty devastating, um, and. Uh, uh, the show Star Trek, I mean, one of the things I think a lot of us love about it is that it was so progressive and so uh, portraying a hopeful future where uh, everybody in the Federation way, everybody on the Earth, everybody on the planet sort of gets along no matter what your color, your race is or anything like that, you know, all of that. Uh, and she was kind of, even though she wasn't the star of the show, uh, by any means, she was like the heart of that. She was like one of the big representations of that because she, you know, that was the first time that a uh, uh, an African-American actress was portrayed in a non-stereotypical role. Uh, that was, uh, she was part of the first on-screen uh, interracial kiss. Um, so she made history uh, being part of that show. And after, you know, I got a chance to meet her at, uh, speaking of Dragon Con, at a few Dragon Cons past, uh, very nice, very classy woman uh, for someone who was so groundbreaking and part of so much great history, pop culture wise. Uh, she really wore that well and was a great ambassador for not just Star Trek, but for uh, progressive life in general and a very classy lady. And uh, it's uh, it's sad that she's no longer with us. Very, very much so. And, awesome. You know, I definitely agree with that, Mikey. And I'm going to skip my rant and rave and shout out for tonight because, you know, I don't feel like promoting another TV show. That was, you know, a, <laughs> bi a big loss. And I think literally, you know, she will be missed. She was a lot of ways the heart and soul with that show and of the community. You know, she helped, you know, bring, you know, relations between, I hate to say it, races and also she helped bring even Star Trek into the modern age with her work with NASA. And, you know, she had, you know, like when the Star Trek, the motion picture came out, she made sure that the computers were actually doing things on the ship and everything, not just flashing lights and everything. And it's just, it's just awesome. The work she's done over the years. And she is one of the nicest people I had ever met in tones of star trek and everything i met her at dragon con a couple of years ago to so it was pretty awesome and she was just sweet as can be so godspeed and i think it's cool that we got to at least mention her in this full episode of stranger things so i think that's awesome that we were able to um Join us again next week, folks, when we are going to be doing another ESO double feature because there's just so much stuff to talk about. So much stuff. There's just always so much stuff. Um, we're going to do a movie review and a TV review. We are going to be doing Bullet Train. We're going to do a review of it, you know, the new Brad Pitt movie. But we are also going to be looking at Umbrella Academy season three. So I just got done watching it last night. Boy, was that a wild ride and <laughs> as typical, you know, and it was, it was great. And I'm looking forward to seeing if they do a season four 
and you know because there's just so much to with those characters and it's awesome it's gonna be fun to talk about next week so definitely i think i'm I'm kind of talked out from all the talking we've done tonight, but I wanted to thank everybody for being here as always. And as always, we'd like to say thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can see them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now TuneIn and Pandora. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself and Mike Gordon, we want to thank everybody for joining us. And I want to thank our guests one more time, Amy Chandler and Rebecca Perry. Thanks for listening again. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and you know what? Try to enjoy the heat in summer because winter is coming. <laughs> and we're done. Peace. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.